The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player or situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Greetings, Matt Waldman. Week 11 in the books. Week 12 is upon us. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir, or soon to be Thanksgiving. And hey, everybody, stop and take a minute and think what you have to be thankful for. One of the things I have to be thankful for is getting to spend a half hour every week with this wonderful man, Matt Waldman. You can find all his work, as you know, at mattwaldman.com or mattwaldmanrsp.com or footballdies.com or on the Twitter X thing at, at Matt Waldman. Uh, I'm Bob Harris. How and are I, you? Hey, I, I'm good because... You know, the big seminal moment when I knew that I was going to have a shot to actually do something in this this space was getting to work for you. So, <laughs> so that because you were the, you were one of the first people I admired in this uh in, in this crazy hobby that 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 has become a a career for us. So, uh, you know, I'm yeah, absolutely so I'm, I'm grateful both for very, that. Both very yeah. thankful for that, for having a great career like that, and also uh, for dealing with the NFL on a weekly basis because it's like the most sure thing ever. Well, or not. It's a weird week, everybody. There's three Thursday games, so be aware of that. Packers at Lions, Commanders at Cowboys, 49ers at Seahawks will be on Thanksgiving. And we have a Black Friday game. That means you have to beat somebody up for a pair of sneakers to get into the game. Uh, <laughs> I thought they already is, beat yes. each other up anyway. You know, don't they, they have do. jails in all those places uh, anyway? I, I think they do. And that leaves yeah. us with a pretty minimal Sunday slate, but or at least a diminished Sunday slate. But that's fine. We'll we'll struggle through it all. My red zone, you know, uh, is, itch will be scratched to some degree, and in the degree possible, we'll scratch it. Uh, some interesting stuff, Matt, that we will dig through here. Uh, so I think, you know, the Cleveland Browns wanted us to believe that Dorian Thompson Robinson would be better with a full week of preparation as compared to his previous, his first start, where it was kind of uncertainty whether Deshaun Watson would be there. So maybe they took a different approach with him. Uh, so this week, apparently they might have been correct or semi-correct or were they correct at all? Dorian Thompson Robinson played reasonably well against your Pittsburgh Steelers there, young man. Yeah, my Pittsburgh Steelers. Yours, but... they, they, were, they were mine this week, at least in spirit, that's for sure, after the Browns handed them a loss last second. Um, but yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson certainly played better, I thought. Um, he was on the mark a little bit better. He managed the game a little bit better. He just had a lot of there were a lot of drop passes. Um, yep. There were some bad there were some bad decisions for sure, but they schemed some things in his favor. The design runs were good ideas for him because he's not as big of a play runner as people I think want to say he is. He's quick but not super fast. So if you can give him those plays that they gave, like pulling the center and the guard on a couple of third down plays, get him outside, he's quick enough to do that kind of thing. And so you get kind of a modified Lamar Jackson-esque type of player in style, just not in ability. Um, if we can, you know, is he going to lead them to playoff victories? Highly doubtful. Um, can he continue to grow and maybe become a player that that they decide might be worth bridging between Deshaun Watson and somebody else? That could be possible long term. Um, For the moment. Feel them or fuck them as a fantasy, a viable fantasy. Let's say two quarterback, uh, second quarterback in a two quarterback league. Um, I would say fuck them even for that, but I would say I'm still feeling Amari Cooper and and uh, David and Joku 
as potential low-end starters with how he played this week. That's the more important part. Well, I can work out a little busy, people. Don't. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, <laughs> be careful. Gadget. Uh, so big issues in uh, Cincinnati where everybody, uh, sadly, it was a lot of injuries, man. Uh, not the least of which Joe Burrow going down with a torn ligament in his wrist. Jake Browning takes over. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, just a couple of things. I, I mean, two things we seem to have a pretty good idea of. The, the Bengals don't have a lot of choices beyond Jake Browning. So they seem fairly committed to him for the rest of the season. Also, he spent the month of August working with the first team offense since Burrow was unavailable with a calf injury. So at least he has some familiarity with the pieces. I did notice one, you know, a willingness to put throw the ball, right? Like he put one out to Jamar Chase down the field. It was a yard or two out of bounds. Okay. But he had that willingness. I guess, you know, so nobody should be out ch chasing Jake Browning, I'm guessing, if they're not no. chasing Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But feeling or fucking the fantasy fortunes of Jamar Chase in particular going forward. I think they'll make it work because Jake Browning can move to his left reasonably well and seems willing and competent at doing so as a thrower. On top of that, he's good at being able to make leverage throws, those types of throws in the middle of the field where the defender is in a position where you can fit the ball into a tighter window. And I think that he'll find a way to do that with Jamar Chase because he was finding ways to do it with Tanner Hudson and with um, Trenton Irwin, uh, someone who he was very familiar with because they've been second-team offensive guys, to, and you can see that they were working with him a good bit. So from that perspective... I would say that Trenton Irwin has a little bit of an elevated potential value, meaning that maybe a bi-week guy in a four-wide receiver league thing, you could look at him that way. Um, but I would expect him to get on the same page with the starters, um, and the main starter being um, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. Those two guys, I think, you should probably knock them down maybe a tier and a half um, with Browning at the helm. Um, until you see, you know, how well they, they scheme this offense until further notice, I'd say. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, you can't trade anybody because you'll get nothing in return. No. People, are, people tend to be smart like that. You invoked his name, so I'm going to go to the great Tanner Hudson, apparently. Uh, I have a longstanding theory here, Matt. Their team has three tight ends. They have zero tight ends for my purposes. Sure. The Bengals have three, Irv Smith Jr. and Drew Sample to go along with Tanner Hudson, but Tanner Hudson seems to be uh, establishing himself as a as a go-to guy. I mean, it was happening with Burrow a little bit. I want to say two weeks ago, all his passes went for first downs. I didn't see what this week's was, but um, is he a playable piece? Do you feel him as that, or is it just like such an emergency that you would have to be in too dire straits to even contemplate those circumstances? You know, it's funny because that whole idea, if you have three tight ends, you probably don't have any is, is really good advice. At the same time, you have to think that, well, um, do they really have three tight ends? Because Irv Smith, maybe he should just qualify as a, as a wide receiver. And then Drew Sample, you know, might be the guy that you worry about a little bit more. Drew Sample right now is tight end 19, um, you know, af over the past three weeks. Irv Smith is tight end 26. That tells me... Neither of those really make much of a difference. But Tanner Hudson is tight end 14 since week nine. So for the past three weeks, he's put up borderline starter production and really was only a point, one point from Mark Andrews' production over the past three weeks. Now, Andrews was 12th. 
and got hurt early in the first half of the game. So, you know, still, that it's not much of a margin between also ran and starter. I would say I'm feeling him because of the way they're targeting him. They're using him on more and more intermediate routes, some double moves, some plays in tight windows. He's the one that I feel like they trust as the receiver, whereas Sample is more of a play-action um, blocker. And Irv Smith, Irv Smith is a tease. That's basically how we would put that, right? Yeah, I guess, you know, I guess in a league, not everyone gets to have TJ Hawkinson. Not everyone, nobody has Mark Andrews. We'll talk more about that. Cal, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Sam Laporta, Dalton Schultz, you know, Dalton Kincaid, Trey McBride, although Zach Ertz is eligible to come off IR this week. I'll remind you everyone. David Njoku. I mean, Maybe there's some, there's Pitts. at least two annoying teams that have st- that have kept two or three tight ends on their roster well, so, to the detriment so ask, of you, right? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Like, if you were down to like the the stems and seeds here of the tight end position, you know, if you were sorting through guys like Kate Otten or Luke Musgrave or Tyler Higby, and Tanner Hudson was in that mix, would Tanner Hudson be a choice? I would say Tanner Hudson over Tyler Higby, yes, because he's a little bit inconsistent for my taste with Matthew Stafford, as much as I like his talent. Um, Musgrave, you know, I would say I'm pretty even between him and Musgrave, only because... I mean, Tucker Craft all of a sudden does something, so... Yeah, yeah, and those three, they have, they've got, you know, four good receivers who are a little bit more dangerous than what Musgrave's doing. Are none of those Christian Watson? He's at the. He might be fourth on that list, actually. So yeah, I mean, and Otten's a little bit on the. He's been better lately, but you know, I would say if you're looking at Tyler Conklin, um, Luke Musgrave, or Tanner Hudson, I would seriously consider Hudson, um, at least for a week, because I think you could probably get Conklin or Musgrave again. All right, fair enough. So, well, you did the Mark Andrews thing, so let's go to that uh, grouping of tight ends in Baltimore now. Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar. Uh, Kolar kind of the overlooked piece there, although he's more productive coming back. So, feeling this, Isaiah Likely is a product of a single impressive offseason, and we're all still looking for that player, and he no longer exists. You feel that or fuck that? He's still a thing. I'm feeling what you just said because – um, yeah, he's a he's a he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body, and maybe more like a, a a tight end with a wide receiver's body. However you want to put it, he's not really a true tight end. He's a guy that you want to have out in space who can use his quickness, but he's not great at maybe catching the ball in tight windows. Um, I think that's more Charlie Kolar's deal. Charlie Kolar, for me, compared. Um, favorably to Mark Andrews pre-draft. That was kind of the guy that I thought his aspirational comparison was. was. So when they drafted him ahead of Isaiah Likely, I thought, oh, that makes sense. They've got a a player they can develop into a redundancy plan. Um, And then he got hurt and then Likely started to do some nice things in camp, showing off his athletic ability, which usually impresses everybody. Well, they've they've got four receivers who are better in the Isaiah Likely role that he had last year by the name of, oh, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr., Nelson Aguilar, and Rashad Bateman. Um, Considering that Mark Andrews isn't much of a blocker, I mean, he's competent, but he's not, that's not what they're missing from him. Then they're not really going to be 
replacing him with likely as often. He's going to get a few schemed looks each game, but it's going to be enough that you're going to still be taking Tanner Hudson over him. Yeah, fuck both all these guys as one-to-one replacements for Mark Andrews. I mean, if you listen to Lamar Jackson's post-game press conference, he told you the story. It's peanut butter to his jelly. All All the analogies rolled out of his mouth, and he's correct. I mean, they just seem to have that you know that simpatico going so um that said odell beckham looked like he has a little bit of chemistry going with lamar jackson all of a sudden i, I want to think you know like rashad bateman seems like you know be very close you know on some plays uh nelson aguilar made a totally you know uh, amazing play but seems like a you know a kind of a, it's like a tip pass for him to right, do it. Yes. right. It seems like really super fortuitous so yeah. so are we feeling odell beckham rising into the zay flowers range as a playable weekly commodity totally feeling he was wide receiver 11 during the past three weeks in fantasy and you know maybe he needed that year off you know i i was talking with brandon angelo also an rsp podcast co-host who who is an athletic performance specialist and works with high-end athletes. And he said, look, you know, when we say a player is healthy, like say Tony Pollard and say he's healthy, that's a low bar. That just means he can functionally move around and not get hurt. Um, it doesn't mean necessarily that his high-end athletic ability has returned. And with certain players who are used to a hot, an elite level of um, play and have shown enough in their careers Maybe like, say, Michael Thomas, who said, you know, fuck you, Sean Payton. I know you want me back at that low bar and you're irked with me for not doing it. But you know how detail oriented I am. You know how much of a perfection I've been, perfectionist I've been. I'm going to wait until I'm much closer to that high bar of athletic ability to come back. I think Odell Beckham Jr. did the same thing. And then rumors started that maybe his knee was being held together by duct tape that you had to kind of press together on hey, either duct side. Tape while is it was great. Don't move. be. It is, don't, but I'm but old. But, but you know, old duct tape can be kind of peel off a little bit. You got to press it on. It's called bailing wire. Yes, but you got exactly. <laughs> but it works. But you got to press it on a little bit. You know, I think that's what people were worried about and saying. But looking at them the past three weeks. Obviously, the increased incident of re-injury can occur. It's not so high that you would say it's prohibitive, especially if the Ravens decide to sign him among a bunch of teams that were interested and how he looks with the route running. They gave him real money. They gave him real money. Yeah, they gave him real money because he probably said, I'm going to get real healthy. And I think that he has, and he's showing it. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a top 15 receiver down the stretch. Um, I think it's a safe bet to say he's a top 24 fantasy receiver from this point moving forward as long as he stays healthy. And I would take the bet that he will. I think at this point of the season, many people don't have a lot of uh, great options. No. He might be be that uh, for those who don't have those. Devin Singletary, uh, Damian Pierce getting closer to his return, but we now have one lousy game, two pretty damn good games. Let's rephrase that. A lousy game, a fantastic game, and a damn good game against a team he should have had a damn good game against, right? So uh, Devin Singletary against the Cardinals yesterday, another 100-yard game, had a touchdown. Um, Feeling him over Damian Pierce rest of the season. Yeah, I am. And I like Damian Pierce generally, in theory, more than Devin Singletary. But look, Devin Singletary came to Houston because he liked this offense. He liked what he saw there. And with Jacksonville, Denver, and the Jets up next, um, I think that I and Tennessee also on that list in Week 15. I think Devin Singletary has at least a favorable split with Damian Pierce 
at this point of the season moving forward. It may be a risk, but I'll I'll say so because the the thing about Damian Pierce or about um, Devin Singletary that has always been great is that despite the fact that he's short, he's small, he's slow, he's not extraordinarily quick, <laughs> and he's not very powerful, is that he has tremendous footwork and vision and really understands how to set up blocks. And he does run with a lot of effort. So when you see all that, he is the outlier. Like if you want, if you want an example of like in a dictionary for football scouting terms of outlier when you say you, you know how compensatory factors of one or two things can be so good that they completely compensate for all the things that are not good enough he would be the picture yeah. in that entry i feel like the texans have a history of that maybe it's that kubiak offense they ran before or the shanahan style offense where dominic williams would show up or uh or arian foster or yes yeah, slayton eh, you know it just seemed like whoever showed up could kind of do the job so I don't want to oversimplify, but maybe that's where we're at in this one. I'm with you, know, I'm with you Devin Singletary, feeling him like again. Did I mention we're heading into week twelve? And, his and by the way, no, Motor. No, I mean, no, come yeah, on, nickname's Motor. You need you. How do you, how the fuck do you not start a guy named here, Motor? Here, here, here's a fuck it. Okay. All you NFL insiders out there who feel like it makes you look cooler to use everybody's nickname because you feel like, hey, I know him better than you do. Stop it. We all know the <laughs> nicknames. You don't need to tell us. Oh, Demarius Pop Douglas. Okay, I know. Motor. Okay, I know. Get off my back. There, old man Ranto. Uh, (laughs) are you gonna get to the look you're gonna get too old if you start using middle names okay so (laughs) (laughs) this is true um rondale moore uh so didn't get all the targets greg dorch took all the targets in this one i feel here's me feeling this uh it was the fucking injuries right it was michael wilson and zach pascal who you usually play the outside role it kind of forced the cardinals hands they didn't they used a combination of Moore and greg dorch you know, to outside, both slot guys working outside. I think, I think, I think, I think Dorsch was more inside than outside in this yeah. game, just, you know, based yeah. on anecdotal evidence. So was that maybe more responsible for the uh, switch in numbers? Uh, play Was Rondale more playing uh, outside his normal spot? Yeah, I think so. They needed him more as a deep threat, and he certainly succeeded on a nice, yeah, big play. you know, nice sluggo route there. But, but yeah, it was Dorch who got more of the plays. And honestly, I like Dorch a little bit more than Rondale Moore at this stage of their development. And I wish they would use Dorch a little more often. Um, that said, you're right. It's Michael Wilson injury is the biggest issue. I would just say fuck it with Rondale Moore right now. I mean, if you have him, keep him. If you're desperate and you just want, if you're looking for depth, like I added Rondale Moore in a couple of dynasty leagues. Where I, but I'm like eight wide receivers deep, and just decided that I wanted one more who, just on the p- potential for them to pop, I'll take it. But uh, but honestly, no, I, I'd say fuck it. You know, look at look elsewhere unless you're totally desperate. Uh, Quentin Johnston, let me let me handle this one for you, Matt. Um, <laughs> Quentin Johnston, feel it or fuck it, dude can't fucking catch. Matt Waldman's been telling you that all year. He needs to work on that. How far does he have to go, Matt? He has a pretty good ways to go because he's lost the confidence and even just attacking the ball with overhand technique in almost any situation right now. And it just sucks for him because he, I'm feeling him long-term as an underneath scheme-dependent receiver 
who can you know run slants and screens and RPOs and comeback routes and maybe eventually get pretty good at that and use his athletic ability to win there. But if you want him to be the superstar that people were drafting him to be, um, he's going to have to prove that he not only make the correct um, attack to to get the ball, but it may come down to tracking because I think he has difficulty discerning when to stop, turn, and attack the football and use the proper attack. And that often comes down to that he's just not tracking vertical targets well. And if that's the problem, that's a Sammy Coates type of problem. And we saw what happened to Sammy Coates in his career or Jake Reed, you know, who worked Uh. really hard to try to, to, to get better at that. And, and but it was very hard for him to to really achieve and he got closest but if you have trouble tracking the football that's a big problem and i think that we may have questions about that with johnson moving forward so if you have him keep him because you've invested enough in him unless somebody's willing to give you what i think most people won't um you're just riding this this train out and hoping that he can that he can improve but i would i would say if you're looking to acquire him think of him as a you know number two wide receiver at best and probably more safely acquire him at the value of a number three because that's i think his baseline let me, let me sum this up ceiling. matt waldman hates quentin johnston moving on <laughs> <laughs> you know who i you know who i love me <laughs> yeah i do i do <laughs> I also love Khalil Shakir. Ah, so I do too. And it was a good game for him, right? Like, you know, the yeah. big three catch, 115 yards, had the great, huge touchdown play. Here's my problem with Khalil Shakir. He doesn't appear to be as popular uh, on the Buffalo pecking order as he is on this particular podcast. He's got 25 targets on the year, uh, no more than four in a single game. How do we, I mean, how do we feel him as a fantasy player? Well, I'm glad you asked that, and I'm glad you you. gave that retort. You know, that's why I love you, is that he's actually been, the past three weeks, wide receiver 24 in fantasy. Just Is it sustainable with that narrow band of activity, Matt Wallman? Yes, and the reason... love him too much. Okay, here's the reason why. This was the first week that the Bills actually listed him as a starter. So... Even though the past five weeks he's been a fantasy playable option with a low band with the volume, it was only this week that he was actually listed on the team's depth chart as a starter. So for me, that means that he's been he's been kind of been inserted in over Deonta Hardy and Trent Sherfield, who so. also ran type of guys, but like they've been in the in the mix too. Now, I think that's over. And if you notice that Gabriel Davis didn't get much at all. And I think Joe Brady being the changing of the guard in this offense said, you have this really good football player named Khalil Shakir who gets open, who we've realized in recent weeks wasn't getting targeted in the manner that he should have been. Um, And they've started to figure that out a little bit more. And he's responding. And, oh, you're all in the building telling me that he dropped balls in practice and that's why you all didn't give him a starting gig. But... I look at his film from the past year and a half and all I see are big plays and big catches in games. Um, Maybe since he can match up well one-on-one and do all the things that we've talked about on this show repeatedly, um, maybe it's time we actually put him in the lineup and let him be that guy. 
and I think we've seen him respond. So yeah, I'm taking the chance. And TLDR: yeah. Matt Waldman hates Quentin Johnston, loves Khalil Shakir. I think that's all anyone needs to know, sir. What about? Oh, all right, all right. You're all just right. hungry. That's all it is. Thursday isn't here yet. Let I'm me talk you. at least until then. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, so all right, like we're gonna, like, look, we're playing Devon Achan and Keaton Mitchell on narrow bands of uh, of, of activity. So. Uh, some of the things we might like about them, we also like about Khalil Shakir. It's a great offense and super explosive and very productive. And by the way, this week, I don't want any questions about should I start uh, Josh Dobbs over Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen or whatever. Next time you feel like getting all in your feelings because the thing is, is aren't going great for a team in the moment, go out and look at your league statistics and see that Josh Allen is like the number one or number two uh, points per game scoring quarterback in fantasy football and and calm down. Ricky Bobby won races. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. All right. Speaking of getting excited, Austin Trammell. Uh, <laughs> so Cooper Cup left this game. We saw a lot of Austin Trammell. What do you think? Well, I like him as a prospect. I know, you know, I know Alex Brown, the director at SMU, who worked with him at Rice, the recruiting director there, worked with him at Rice and just talked about he had the NFL athletic ability that you would want. He had some good training camps with the Falcons before getting added by the Rams and has just kind of hung on to that roster spot for a while. I think there's a path for him to be able to have some fantasy success games, but I would say it's so less likely that you need to wait on him kind of the way Bob would like you to wait on Khalil Shakir. There, there you have it. Seems fair. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, first game back. He's about to be evaluated, Matt. He's uh, the, the evaluation pride. The Bears have big decisions to make after the season. I feel like Justin Fields, just me, my feel it is Justin Fields kind of like said, oh, yeah, evaluate this. Yeah, and I hope I hope the Bears do, and in a typical Bears fashion, decide not to let him stay, and that Arthur Smith has enough brains to <laughs> FedEx his ass down here. You oh, know? Arthur Smith's going to be around that long. <laughs> yeah, I think he will, but, you know, but right. we'll see. The PR, he might have ruined it with his PR-friendly attitude. Um, or, I'm growing a yeah. mustache right now in response. Yeah, see, there you go. But, uh, no, I, I would love to see Justin Fields in, in a place like Atlanta or in Minnesota. Um, you know, those would be awesome settings, possibly from I know, short, you know, everybody's all up, you know, loving the whole aerospace engineer guy. But Fields look great. Um, I thought he was wheeling and dealing in terms of his ability to throw on the move, to be able to to win as a runner. He he had the game-winning throw, um, but Tyler Scott slowed down um, mid-break and had to try and reaccelerate, and then wound up diving and missing for it. Um, and that was, you know, he had the throw right there. He made plays to put his team in position to win the game, and his his team just didn't respond. And I think that. He may not be the ideal quarterback that some teams want, but teams like the Bears have fixated so much on having a quarterback that they've never had, or at least haven't had since Sid Luckman or ben, Jim McMahon, that they they really they may be over idealizing what they need from the position. And Fields is good enough, um, yes, more than good enough, just different, good. just a little different than what they they envision. All right, so let's get into the Jared Goff. Three interceptions, oh my gosh. Uh, at home, uh, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, still, the Lions win this game. He threw two touchdowns. Uh, feel or fuck Jared Goff going forward? Feeling Jared Goff, fuck Sean McVay for making him into um, a scapegoat puppet that, that he did. Because when you look at Goff, 
two of those interceptions um one was basically um sam laporta running into the safety colliding and and missing the spot that golf made the anticipatory throw to another one was he was basically hit while he was throwing and it altered the throw um and you know so you know but at the same time i'll say this he also had where where he shouldn't have had two of the three interceptions there were two other throws he made that should have been two interceptions one of them could have been a pick six from his own end zone right. <laughs> from Jalen Johnson who's a pretty good cornerback um so he had a bad day but I'll say this yeah. he brought them back he read he blitz as well he just ignored all the noise he didn't crumble like Sean McVay liked to say that he would he, or like Sean Gervais did in yeah. the face of what he perceived to be Jared Goff crumbling. Look, yeah. this is this is a guy who is, I think, has fully rehabilitated himself or his reputation. At least I don't know yeah. if he needed to rehabilitate his game. I think the game was always there. There was a bad game. Yeah. It was in the Super Bowl. It was on the biggest stage in the world. I get it. And I don't know how much of that was his fault, how much was Sean McVay's fault, or how much credit Bill Belichick gets for coming yeah. up with a defense to shut down the innovative Sean McVay offense. Oh, so, even the same game plan that they were running that was found out by Detroit, like in week 14 of that Super that Bowl one. year. Yeah, and he came into it like that. Yeah, okay, that's fine. He I he came in... Point of view here, people. Yeah, well, he came into a... He came into, you know, he came, he basically came into a, like a, you know, a work party in a Halloween costume. That was what Sean McVay did with that scheme. It was just stupid. So, you know, but then he had to blame golf so he didn't look like a fool. That's fine. So, so I had been having a number of conversations with people who just randomly were reaching out to me about Jameson Williams. And I think the conversations were, he's starting to look a little busty here, right? Uh, did he rehabilitate himself or is he in the process of rehabilitating himself with a good performance or at least a good catch? The good catch makes him monitorable. <laughs> <laughs> Just continue monitoring him. Right, you know, if he, you go, yeah, that's it. Uh, it does appear though that, that like Josh Reynolds has fallen behind at least in terms of production, you know, to yeah. where he was earlier in the year. And this is, this opens the door to Jamison Williams getting the opportunity to turn into the Jamison Williams, the Lions drafted Jamison Williams to be. They're giving him a chance. I feel that. They're giving I him a chance. That. That's I don't what know if I he's would say. Cash in. He still feels a little busty to me. Yeah. Jalen Ward, on the other hand, looks like he's a busty Audi. Uh, he looked fantastic yesterday. Uh, everything that everyone's, you know, all the superlatives that have been applied to him, he uh, flashed. Uh, most of it on a single play even uh you feeling Jalen Warren over Najee Harris going forward I'm starting to yeah and I'm and I've been a Najee Harris um standby basically and I still think Najee Harris is a good player and worthwhile but in this offense which is a crap offense I mean literally when you have um you know when you have former quarterbacks and scouts basically saying this is one of the bottom five offensive schemes that I have ever looked at in terms of just how lack of detail, lack of simplicity, you know, simplicity, um, it dumb things that happen with it. Um, that's not a good sign. Warren seems to make the most of what's going, going on. And there were a lot of plays when I saw him in the past year and a half that I go, well, it looks like he's getting the opportunities where the defense isn't expecting him to get the ball and he's getting opportunities in space. And I think that was true. But the more and more, more and more that he's getting the ball in situations where defenses are expecting him um, to get it, he's making good on those plays. And to me, that's proof that he's a worthwhile back and he has gotten better 
since his time at Utah State and Oklahoma State. He's a better decision maker. He just keeps getting better, and I can't. Um, I finally have to look at him and say, yeah, he's legit. He's a legit guy, and I feel like his fantasy production should stay relatively, um, you know, consistent. I feel like the Steelers' offense still is not as good as it needs to be to support two running backs from a fantasy perspective. Yet here we are. I think it is like just like somehow they are mysteriously winning games with falling behind. And they didn't win this one. I get cheating, it. but 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 without you know without being outproduced on offense every single week. And I know Najee is not very happy about it. If you saw his quotes, uh, he used language often used on this podcast. Uh, to describe his feelings about the offense. Uh, he's not happy. And, like, I don't think anyone in Pittsburgh is. But a lot of this is Kenny Pickett-related. Guy hasn't thrown two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Has he thrown two touchdown passes in a game? I don't know. It's been a while Maybe since once. we've seen Maybe all I know is All I know is Jake Sternberger went on there, um, the former tight end there at Pittsburgh and Green Bay, and compared and contrasted the two offensive schemes. And he said that literally Matt Canada's offense was one where it was so basic that there was really no detail of instruction on things that are very important, like route depths and what types of coverages you should be making adjustments towards, things like that, that he had to take tests on in Green Bay. But in Pittsburgh, he was like, really, that's it? I want to say, uh, just like while you're saying this, it brings to mind the quotes. Uh, Just uh, I should bring them up so I don't uh, I don't. uh... Uh, destroy them. Najee Harris opens up with his frustration with the Steelers offense. Um, I don't have the words in front of me, but needless to say, he's, without saying those words, expressed similar views. Uh, So we'll leave it at that, and we'll see how this offense plays out. Maybe there will be some adjustments going forward in the future. I don't think, you know, Mike Mike Tomlin is not a knee-jerk reaction guy. Uh, no. So, but but this has been a slow it's motion time. train wreck. Yeah, it's been you know he's given it every opportunity. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, are we? Are you feeling that we're one year closer to next year when Jackson Smith and Jigba will be a great player? Yes, I think we are. <laughs> I think we are, but I think we're I think we're getting close game by game closer to him we being a him. worthwhile right. fantasy option right now. We're seeing him make good plays. We're seeing him getting more involved in the offense. Um, it's just that Geno Smith isn't as reliable as he was last year. And there we have it. So, um, you know, you can take your chances with him. Probably better as a number four. But if you need to take your chances with him as a wide receiver three, I, I think you could do worse. Puka Nakua, what is he going forward? He's a wide receiver one going forward as long as Cooper Cup ain't in the lineup. And you saw that in the second half of this game. Um, suddenly they ramped that shit back up again. So I think... You know, just as you were about to say, huh, Puka Nakua is not doing even as well as Khalil Shakir over the past five games, which I noticed. Um, I looked this up because I had a feeling Bob was going to go, you like those narrow bandwidth players. Um, <laughs> he was actually ahead of Puka. But You're now, on me. But now Puka, <laughs> but hey, you know, I got to study the best. Um, but Puka, <laughs> Puka certainly. Uh, you have a lot of tape on me. It's not fair. <laughs> Yeah, but Puka did a Puka did a good um started to get more looks because of Cup being out. He's the offense now, so deal with it, feel it. I feel it too. I'm yeah. good to go with this. All right. Are you feeling Thanksgiving coming? Do you have huge plans? I look my my daughter and and and, and my grandkids are coming up and we're going to have a good time um there. Um I might get a pernil made. You know, have you ever had pernil? It's a Puerto Rican dish. So it's a, it's a roasted, it's a roasted, um, 
roasted pork where the okay. where like the that. skin you could play snare drum on it apparently mm, it's that crispy crackle. yeah so well that should be fun and if it doesn't happen that's okay i'll be cooking turkey and all the all the fixings so you I will hear me on serious you will hear me on serious xm's fantasy sports radio on thanksgiving night from 11 to 1 a.m <laughs> <laughs> well if you need if you need a last minute guest call me up i I, the, I have a feeling i'll probably be around so the wheels of industry roll on uh all right everybody have a great thanksgiving you uh, too. appreciate y'all listening love everybody goodbye Bye.